Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. We'll read the whole psalm, but we'll be focusing on that last verse to get kind of our context and understanding a little bit as we come to that verse. But Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to thee. We thank you for the opportunity again that is ours to be in thy house, to gather ourselves as believers, to hear thy word, to fellowship one with another, to lift up our hearts in praise and worship of you and song. We pray now that as we come to this time to have thy word, that our hearts and minds truly are open, that we are yielded, that we are clay in thy hands, ready to be molded and shaped by thy word as you deem best and fit. Father, we pray that we would be accepting of thy change to mold us into Christ's likeness. For that soul that may be lost, draw them unto thee this day. Father, we thank you that we can hear thy word freely and openly, without fear. And Father, I pray that we would go forth rejoicing, that it's been good to have been in thy house, to have heard heard thy word and to be changed by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What it takes to strengthen your heart, as we look at this passage and as we look at that thought, you know, who of us doesn't want a strong heart? Whether it be that muscle inside our chest or whether it be the heart that we think of, the, the inside, the real us, uh, we kind of think, well, that's a silly question. You know, I do want a strong heart. And uh, we have a health-conscious society kind of on the physical side, 
And uh, so we are bombarded with the benefits of certain foods, cardiovascular exercises that help keep our heart fit and functioning properly, and rightly so. I mean, as, as believers, this is God's temple, this body. And he does want us to take care of it and uh, use it accordingly. And if we put ourselves in a bad place health-wise, then it's kind of hard to serve the Lord. And uh, so there is some wisdom. There is some effort. Paul would tell Timothy that uh, there is little profit in bodily exercise. He didn't say that there's no profit. There's little. It's helpful. Um, but may that not take us away from our understanding of our, our true service and, and uh, living for him and uh, serving him as we ought. But too un- often, you know, humanly speaking, we don't catch the warning signs sometimes of what's happening to us physically until it's too late. And uh, we, we have that issue. And the doctors will often ask us, well, did, did you experience this? Well, yes, I did. That was a warning sign. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, they're there. And it's helpful to watch for those warning signs and, and take corrective measures as we can. But again, I want us to focus on that other heart, the real us, the seat of our emotions, our will, our desires, the heart that David is talking about. And uh, ask us, is that heart strengthened? Because he does bring up that very thought here. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want us to look at a few things. Believer, as we look at that idea of strengthening and what it takes to strengthen your heart. Believer, what is your posture? Say, well, it's not like it used to be. I'm getting older, so I'm not as straight as a board. I'm bending over a little bit more. I'm shorter. Uh, things are getting compressed. You know, my posture's not, not, again, not that posture. We're, we're not looking at the physical. We're looking at the spiritual. Looking at the real us. What is our posture? David says here, our posture. Wait on the Lord. How many of us like to wait for anything? We're to be long-suffering. He does talk about patience in the scriptures, something that we are to evidence in our lives, and uh, whether that be spiritually or in, in, in the realm of our regular lives, there is to be patience. But we tend to not be, don't we? We have to learn patience. God has to bring things along in our lives to help us understand. We need to wait on him. I mean, stop and think about it in our prayer life. How often does God immediately answer a prayer request? Can we count on both hands the number of times he's answered immediately? Can we count on one hand the number of times he's answered immediately? Sit down and think about all the times we have sought God and God has, you know what? Said, the time will be right in my timing. And we've had to wait 
for that answer. It's something that we all struggle with. It's a, it's a common human malady to wait. And yet, I trust, as the older we get, the more we realize that it is good to wait. Because God does have his purpose and plan that is unfolding. And his purpose and plan may not be our purpose and plan. But David tells us, he calls on us, God does really, wait on the Lord. That's our posture, waiting. The word speaks of looking eagerly for someone or something, this word wait. It's not just wait and twiddle our thumbs, look around. You know, sometimes we do have to wait. You know, wait till your number is called, as I have for getting license plates at uh, uh, the DMV down in Kalispell, you know. Only allow so many, and oh, my number popped up so I can get inside and... I can wait, you know. As I'm out and about, I'm watching the numbers flip by real quick. Oh, i got to get back there real quick. And then when it gets to mine within that lock of 12, it's like, okay, why didn't they go as fast now as they did an hour ago when they flipped through about 20 of them? Wait. We wait. But he speaks of eagerly looking for in our waiting. Not just wait, but be eagerly looking for someone or something. Wait on the Lord. Our posture is focused on Him. We are waiting for Him. We're waiting on Him. We wait at His door with prayer. Jeremiah 33.3, a verse I trust that we know. As Jeremiah calls out, he says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. As we wait on the Lord, we have the opportunity to eagerly wait for him, to look to him, to pray to him. God, show me your way. Are we eagerly waiting for him? We wait at his foot with humility. James chapter 4, verse 6 and 10 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Then drop down to verse 10. Humble yourselves therefore in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. As a retired missionary friend of mine had said in years gone by, the way up is down. Where does he get it? from various verses that tell us to be humbled, to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. God is the high and holy one, and we are to wait on Him eagerly, looking for. And we are in a place of humility at His feet. Why? Because He's our God. We think so much of ourselves too often. And we miss that in his sight, we're nothing. It does us well to read Isaiah chapter 6 often. To see as Isaiah has the vision of the temple in heaven. 
of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ high on his throne. And Isaiah's response is, Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Why does he come to that assessment? For mine eyes have seen the Lord. And when he saw the Lord, he saw himself as he really is. And when we wait on the Lord and we eagerly look for him, we see ourselves as we truly are. And it's not typically a very pretty picture. Say, but I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Yes, we are. And we rejoice in that. I am so thankful that I'm a child of the King. That he has redeemed me. But I still live in this body of flesh. I still have a sinful nature that is at odds with that new nature. And there are those struggles, and there will always be those struggles. I'm not condoning them, and I'm not dismissing them, but I am realizing that they are there. But thank God we can look to Him, we can wait on Him, trust Him, but we see ourselves as He sees us. We are sinners. We can wait at His table with service. Psalm 100, verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. This is the posture that we have. We can do these things in, in humbleness and in lowliness of mind, living for Him, but focused on Him. We wait at His window with expectancy. So we read through the scriptures. And as we read the last book in the Bible, a book that I believe has far more bearing for us today than it has in the years of the church. I know every generation of believers have thought it may be us. We may get to hear that shout, that trumpet. The dead in Christ rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. And in a moment we're given a new body. And we meet the Lord in the air. Every generation of believers has thought that it could be us. I've believed that since I've come to understand the scriptures and see that and say, yes, Lord. Could it be my generation? Could I be one of those that will experience this? I will not taste death? As we read the book of Revelation, as we read other passages of Scripture that speak of the end times, and then we look at the world around us, may we, like 
John, the author, say this. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. That is Jesus Christ. He's the one that testified to John of these things, this book. Jesus Christ gave them to John to write. And he says, surely I come quickly. I will come in a moment of time. What is John's response? Amen. So be it. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. John's response was, yes, come. I'm ready to go. Now, he's lived a full life, yes. John is, in all likelihood, in his 90s. He has lived a full life. It's been, you know, 50 to 60 years-ish since he was with the Lord in his earthly ministry. He has had a full life. And yet as he has revealed the last events, his heart is filled with, yes, come. Let this unfold. I believe he, if he could say more, he would be saying, yes, I want to hear that shout. I want to hear that trumpet. And I want to be a part of that which doesn't taste death. We wait at his window with expectancy. Is that how we live today? Is our posture eagerly waiting on him? Because he could come back today. Are we going to be caught unawares? And hang our head in shame and say, uh-oh. I wasn't ready. I'm not, Lord, I, I need to get things right with you before I see you. Or when we hear that shout and trumpet, we'll rejoice. I'm eagerly looking forward for it. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Our posture, eagerly waiting on him. Lord, I'm here. I'll serve you. It comes as a command. Wait on the Lord. And he does it twice. At the beginning of the verse and at the end. Again, he says, wait, I say, on the Lord. He calls on us to eagerly look for him. To have our posture such that, yes, we're looking for him. The world can get us so wrapped up, draw our attention away, that we're not looking, that we're not waiting. Say, my life is full of things. Yes, and mine is too. And it is part of our lives. But ultimately, we are to be looking unto the Lord, waiting on Him, eagerly for that day that will come, whether it be in death or, or whether it be in the rapture. 
Again, I'm not looking to die tomorrow. I'd just soon have the Lord, you know, take me to three score and ten, and if by reason of strength, make it to 80 or beyond. That's fine. But I know I'll be in his presence one day. And that sounds far more appealing than staying around in this world. And I am like Paul at times. I'm in a bit, I'm caught betwixt the two. I'm in a strait. To be with the Lord is far better, but to be here and minister, yes, that's helpful and needful too. Lord's will will be done. But our posture, waiting on Him. Believer, your prescription. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. In Joshua chapter 1, God is speaking to Joshua, and he says the same thing. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, he says, Be strong. There's our same Hebrew word as be of good courage that David uses. It's the same word. Just we have it translated differently. We have be strong, and we have be of good courage. But he says, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong, there's our word again, and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong, our word again, and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Believer, we have the prescription, be of good courage. Be strengthened. Be prepared, as it were, for battle. This word elsewhere is used of those that would be strengthened and prepared for battle. Be of good courage. We must first take steps to be strengthened and draw on God in His Word. How, how do we be of good courage? How do we be strengthened? Say, well, we exercise. I mean, think of it coming back to the physical realm. How do we strengthen ourselves? We go out and do exercises. We put ourselves under a a discipline to see us have physical improvements. The same principle holds true in our spiritual realm. Except the only difference in one sense is, which works the same physically, just because I do those things doesn't mean I'm strengthened. My body strengthens itself because of what I do. I can't make myself more spiritual. 
any more than I can add a cubit to my height. You know, I can get boots that have higher heels, but that isn't making me taller. I'm still the same 5'8 that I am whether I have the boot heels on or not. 5'8 is 5'8 regardless of where you start the measurement from. I can't make myself grow taller. God can. I can't make myself more spiritual, but God can. And I can put in place the things that God will use to strengthen me. The psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 11 said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. God uses his word in our hearts and lives, but we've got to have it there. As I've mentioned to the Wednesday night crowd, I've told them we'll be working on it. I'll be having it out, but we need to have our nose in this book. You're going to hear me say that often. We need to be reading this book. Not just for our Sunday school lesson, but reading it consistently daily. Reading it through every year. Say, Pastor, read this Bible through in a year? Yes. It's not that hard. Say, but that's a big, thick book. It's not that hard. Commit ourselves to a few moments a day and we can get through this Bible in a year without any problem. We need to be in it. Because it's the Word of God that God uses in our hearts to change us, to strengthen us, to be of good courage. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We wait on the Lord. We allow His Word into our hearts and lives that God uses to strengthen us, to, to make us what He wants us to be. Why do you think there is such an animosity to this book. Why does our adversary hate this book? Because he knows what God can do with it in the life of a believer. He knows what God can do with it in the life of the lost. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It should take us as... By, not by surprise that there would be those that don't like this book. And our adversary especially, if he can get us out of this book and away from it, while he knows he can't reclaim us, we're no longer a child of his. But he can certainly stunt our growth as a child of God. He can put us in a place of weakness as a child of God. If he can get us out of this book. And so it becomes imperative for us to be in it consistently so that God can use it. Much like James reminds us and elsewhere, we have to take the first steps. 
I can't make myself more spiritual. That's the work of God. But I can make myself in a place where God can do the work. James states it this way. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Who takes the first step in that equation, if you will? We do. Too often, many people think that somehow God is the one that's supposed to be doing something. Why doesn't God... Why does God allow... And we can fill in that blank with all sorts of things. Because we think somehow that God should be doing things in spite of us. That's just typically not the nature of how God works in humanity. We're not a bunch of puppets on a string. And yet that's exactly what some people would want. And guess what? They would complain about it. Just like they are complaining that God isn't doing... Well, God is doing something. You're just not recognizing it. But he tells us that we're to make the move first. God does not force himself or his promises or his truths upon anyone in this life. And yet... That somehow, that's the way some people tend to think. Well, God needs to do this. Well, why are they saying that? Because that's what they would do if they were God. I would make them believe. Not going to work. Think of the rich man that Christ spoke of. As he's tormented in hell. Send Lazarus to my brothers so that they don't come to this place. He had the realization, truly, I don't want my brothers to come here. Send Lazarus back from the dead so that he can talk to them. They'll, surely they'll believe somebody that comes back from the dead. No, they have Moses and the prophets. They have God's word. Oh, no, 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 they wouldn't listen to that, but if you send somebody back from the dead, they'll listen. It's interesting. God did send a Lazarus back from the dead. Did the people believe Lazarus? Nope, the powers that be wanted to kill Lazarus again, along with Jesus. Why? Because they didn't believe him. Why? Because of the hardness of their heart. I mean, we don't have a hard heart. We look at that, and I, I do read it, and I am amazed. At the, guys, you see a man who's been dead four days, who's been risen again, walking amongst you. Is there no fear of God before you? Who else but God could do such a thing? but because of the hardness of their heart. They didn't care. 
we'll kill him again. We're going to get rid of Jesus. We'll just take, take him out too. Don't you realize that God raised him from the dead? No, they didn't. Their hearts were hardened. God doesn't force himself upon us. He doesn't force his promises. But they sure come alive when we take steps towards him. Because he draws near to us as we draw near to him. This is the second imperative in this passage, second command. Be of good courage. And then lastly, believer, your promise. We have our posture. We have our prescription, be of good courage. And our promise. He, that is Jehovah, you look back at the beginning, wait on the Lord. You see Lord is in all capital letters. This is the I am that I am. The self-existent one, Jehovah. Jehovah shall. Can we be of good courage? Can we be strengthened? Yes. Why? Because Jehovah shall. Not Jehovah may or might. Jehovah shall. We need not question. Can we be strengthened? Can we be of good courage? Yes. Why? Because Jehovah shall strengthen. If we were to think of this in the physical realm and we want to strengthen our bodies, we typically would go to a gym, would we not? And we would seek the employ of somebody who is able to show us the right things. A bodybuilder himself, somebody that knows what needs to be done so that we can become stronger. Who better than God? He's the God of creation. I'll take care of it. I will strengthen you. He shall strengthen. No greater can impart such strength. Notice what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 7. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. As he's talking to the children of Israel. I'm here. I will take care of you. I will fight your fights for you. I will cause your enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They're going to come to you in one way, but I'm going to send them going in seven different directions. Why? Because he's God. He shall strengthen thine heart. Let the heart be strengthened and the whole machine of humanity is filled with power. 
If God's going to impart his strength in us, as David has already said through here, there's no reason for me to fear. I'm on God's side. Not that God's on my side. But David is recognizing, I then become, I am on God's side now. And there is no reason to fear what man can do. Because they are immune and powerless against our God. He's the one that has strengthened me. He has strengthened mine heart. Christ, as he spoke to his disciples after his resurrection, Luke puts it this way, this is his form of the Great Commission, or at least leading up to it. Luke 24, verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Christ told his disciples, there's power from on high coming upon you. That day is coming. Luke again will record it at the Mount of Olives as Christ is there with his disciples again, the apostles. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The work that God has given to us to do is in His power, not ours. He's empowered us. It's His promise. He shall strengthen thine heart. The work that we have to do, we can think of and say, well, it's just impossible. I can't do it. Yes, you're right. I can't do it either. God is the one that does the work. We just give the word. We're witnesses. What is a witness? You come into a courtroom, the witness just tells what he knows. For all to hear. Say, well, what am I a witness of? Well, I hope you do realize you're a witness of the new birth if you have it. So what can I tell other people? Tell them your story. How did you come to Christ? Say, but I'm not some, you know, way guilty sinner that had such a huge bag of sin that God forgave me of. That's okay. It's okay. God still saved you nonetheless, didn't he? Yeah. May we not be like Nahum the Syrian the leper. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. What? That muddy thing? Why don't, why don't I go up to Damascus? The rivers up there are much better. I want some sensational thing here going on. Thankfully, he had a wise servant 
you wanted something sensational, you know, wouldn't you do it? Well, sure, I would. Of course. Well, then why don't you just go down and dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan River? Do like he said. That's what he's going to do. But we like the sensational. As if the sensational is what has the impact. No. It's the power of God changing a life, whether it be the most wicked man in the town or whether it be the little boy or girl. It's the power of God in that life to change them. In some respects, that little child has a more powerful testimony. Because they will have a life lived for God with no regrets. With nothing hanging over them that Satan can use to say, yeah, look, look, look. Look what you were. How can you be a man of God now? How can you be a woman of God now? Look at what you were. That child doesn't have that. And we think of it as God thinks of it. It's me working in you. It's my promises that are being upheld. Go forth and serve. We have his promise. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Are we eagerly looking for him? Not just his second coming, but just are we eagerly looking for him? We want to see God move and work in a mighty way. Are we eagerly looking for him? Is our posture such that we are there in his presence seeking such? Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Be strengthened. He will do it. It's his promise. We need not wonder. Are we yielded in his presence this morning? Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say. On the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage, for the commands that are here to wait on you, to be of good courage. We have your promise. You shall strengthen us. May we take that prescription. May we take that posture of waiting on you. Well, that's where the courage will come from. Being in your presence, waiting on you, eagerly looking for you. Father, I pray that we are this morning. I believe many of our hearts yearn to see thee at work. We desire that. 
Now, Father, may we wait on you for it. May we put ourselves in that position that you desire for us to be eagerly looking for you. That you may strengthen us. Father, it is your promise to us. I pray that we are a people waiting on you. That we've not allowed the distractions of this world to draw our hearts away. It can so easily happen. The world was our life before we came to you. The world is still around us even though we know you as our Lord and Savior. We've been redeemed. That presence of the world is still there. The old nature is still there. Father, may we not allow them to distract us. Father, we have a life to live in this world, yes. And live it for you, we must. But truly, may the real us, the new life, be focused on you, waiting on you, being strengthened by you. Father, we pray that you would use your word in our hearts. That not just this morning, but Father, even tomorrow morning, we will be waiting on you. As the day breaks and we prepare, that our hearts and minds are focused on waiting on you. To have your strength for the day. To see you at work in ways we never thought possible. It all starts with us waiting on you. May that be our heart's cry this day and every day as you tarry and spare us. Do that work that only you can that we would truly be seeking thee out. In Christ's name I pray.